Everybody else, if you don't have coloring sheets, hopefully you have a Bible. I'd like for you to join me in Isaiah chapter 2. We're going to be looking at our first series in the first week of our new season of Advent. So while the kiddos are making their way back, hopefully you've joined me in Isaiah chapter 2. Not only are we in the new season of Advent, we're in a new series. And the new series is called Glimpses of God. Each of the four weeks of Advent, we're going to be looking at four visions that Isaiah had of God's king and God's coming kingdom. And just like this magic eye that we all failed to see, Isaiah is going to help us look through all the chaos, all the darkness, all the confusion, all the struggle, in order for us to get a glimpse of God's dream of what will be. And tonight in Isaiah chapter 2, the glimpse is of God's city when God is at the center and God's people are living God's way. And just like this magic eye, Isaiah is inviting us to see through all of the chaos into this dream of God. So our first theme that Isaiah impresses upon us is a dream and a glimpse of hope. Hope doesn't let the darkness of how things are overshadow our vision of what will be. Isaiah, guys, wrote these visions way before Jesus ever showed up. And it was a scary time for God's people. But he didn't let the darkness of how things looked in the present overshadow his dream and vision of what will be. Now, I want you guys to know today that this is not just for the big picture. God's going to come and renew all things, although that's true. This is something that can color our present tense, everyday struggles now. We talk a lot in our church about how the effort of hope is to expect that the darkness of today does not get the last word. We talk all the time in our church of how we are not to let the circumstances of what we can see be the only reality. We want to let God's reality and what's happening at work all around us and within us and underneath our present situation overshadow the darkness. So Isaiah is giving us this glimpse of God's city, but I need you to know that it's not just wishful thinking for then. It's an invitation to live now. Isaiah's glimpse at God's city is also an invitation to walk in the light of tomorrow right here today. So while we wait for his second coming, his return to renew all things, we work toward that dream in that city today. You with me? Let's jump into Isaiah chapter 2, and we're going to unpack this glimpse of God's dream For God's city. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah, which is the region, and Jerusalem, that's the capital. Verse 2 In the last days, so this is not just within time, but it's at the end of time when the kingdom comes in fullness. 
The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains, and it will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Now, I love that Isaiah doesn't just hear about it. It's not just hearsay. Isaiah sees this. Isaiah catches a glimpse of this possibility for God's people in God's city. And while he's talking about those last days, he's writing this down, looking beyond the upcoming devastation of war and violence and oppression. He's looking beyond this upcoming devastation and toward its later restoration. This is what we mean when we say, whatever darkness you're experiencing now, the invitation is to look to the light of tomorrow and let that inform your present tense. It's a lot like, I think, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s most famous speech. Kiddos, do you know that speech? It starts with, I have a dream. Martin Luther King said that on the steps of the Capitol, in the shadow of the Washington Monument, when things were not all right. He saw, though, God's intention, even in the midst of darkness. He saw a future that was not yet lived out, but it was something that was longed for. He saw a vision of God's dream, and it changed the world around him today. So when Isaiah is talking about the mountain of the Lord's temple, exalted, high above all these other places, what Isaiah is basically saying is this. Can you guys join me in a vision of just trying to glimpse a world where God will be the God and God's way will be the way? And he says that when this kind of vision overtakes us, when we begin to live into our fullest potential where our God is the God and God's way is the way, when that happens, nations, all the people, will stream toward us like a river of people coming to God's presence. Now the shame is, how many of you think that the nations are just climbing all over themselves to come and be a part of the church in America today. Whoops. But Isaiah's dream is that if we are to truly live the way God has invited us to live, we will live as humanity always meant to live. And it's not that our God is just the best God. It's that our God is the one that gives life and love and light. And when we live that relationship out, it's like a gravitational pull for others to come and see what we have. And I love this vision of the nations pouring into God's city. This is God's dream. And even if it's not lived, it's longed for. And the language he's talking about is, man, can you imagine a world where God will be the God and God's way will be the way? Truly, that will change our neighborhood and world. So, he sees the people streaming in. In verse 3, He says, many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. Now pause there. If you flip over to Psalms, the songbook of the Old Testament, you have this kind of language for God's people. Hey, 
Let's go and celebrate God in God's temple. We're God's people. We're going to do this. But his vision is not just for God's people. It's for all the people. Because God's heart is not just for God's people. It's for all people. That all that he's created would know the life and light and love that he gives. So he's imagining and seeing this far off vision where many peoples will come and say, let's go and see what this God is about. But not just to come and check it out. What does he say? He will teach us his ways so that we may what? Walk in his paths. And the law will go out from Zion, which is the spiritual name for Jerusalem, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Y'all, here's what he means. Jerusalem will be a reference point for what it looks like when God's kingdom comes in fullness. This is Isaiah's dream. Now, I need to tell y'all something. I am one of the millions of people who this past week signed up for Disney+. Plus. Anybody else? Oh, you're going to clap for that, Isaac? <laughs> I'm talking about God's dream for the world, and he's like, Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. So y'all know that that free trial has come and gone, and I'm locked in. But here's the trick. I'm not a huge Star Wars guy. I'm not a huge Marvel guy. I know. I have a five and seven-year-old girl. What do you want me to do? It's Disney Plus. They're getting the bang for the buck. But dude, there's this three-part documentary series on the Imagineers. Do you know what I'm talking about? Has anybody seen that? Or y'all been watching Ant-Man or whatever the heck? Okay? It's wonderful. And he calls these people that for, from the art department, all this, to gather up and build these things in reality. And it's the story of Disneyland and Disney World and all that kind of stuff. I'm a huge Disney World person, right? So I love this scene in which they've done Disneyland and it's a great success and they're looking toward Disney World, which is the one in Florida. And Walt's dream is not just for another park, but that there would be this actual functioning city in Florida, a utopia kind of city. Walt dreamed of a city of the future that the world would visit, but not to ride the Dumbo rides or the teacups, but to witness a society in which they actually solve their problems without war. They actually relate to one another as human beings without prejudice and division. Then they actually maintained the environment. They had solar panels. They had renewable energy. In the 60s and 70s, they're talking about this. He sees this future vision of this city that would be a reference point for the whole world to say, I bet we could do it if we tried. Now, unfortunately, Walt Disney died before they completed Walt Disney World, much less his city of the future. But we know this place by another name. Not just what he called it, the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, but Epcot. How many Epcot fans in the house? Yes, the greatest fish and chips that Bud has ever had 
he said was at Epcot. So either Pastor Bud burned off all his taste buds, or this really is the city of the future today. Epcot was his dream. He thought the whole world would stream in and say, this might be how we do it. But here's what's fascinating. Much like Isaiah's vision, and I'm pretty sure that this was nowhere in Walt Disney's thinking when he was dreaming up Epcot, but he had the same heartbeat that the world would stream into this place not just to look, but to learn. To see, to hear, to learn God's way and actually live it. Hey, have you ever wondered why we do this every week? Why we do this on Saturdays and Wednesdays? Why we serve together on, on other days throughout the month? If the whole goal was just to get you to believe what I believe, would that really transform you in our world? Does our hungry neighbors, does our hurting neighbors, does our desperate friends and family feel any real and lasting change because of your finely held theological beliefs? Or does the difference come when your finely held theological beliefs inform your actual living? The vision that Isaiah has is learning for the purpose of living. We say in our church all the time, our faith is not just meant to be believed, although that's part of it. It's meant to be lived. That's why Jesus says, come follow me. That's why we say a disciple is someone who is with Jesus to learn from Jesus how to live like Jesus. That's very different from Jesus walking around saying, do you believe I'm the son of God? Yes, great. See you in heaven someday. See you later. And don't give a rip about the poor or all those people I've given my life to serve. And let God's kingdom invade. Not just believing that he's the son of God, but living as though it might actually be true. Kids, have you all seen the advent calendar that Miss Carla put together for you? I hope you're about to. Up here by your colors, the one you didn't pick up, <laughs> but your parents are going to get, is an advent calendar that has something for every day, December 1 through December 24 and 25, up to Christmas, that gives you an opportunity to live like Jesus lived. Why would we do something that crazy? Because we learn best the way of Jesus by looking to Jesus and living like Jesus. Whether or not they've said, yes, Jesus, you have my whole life, we're already discipling them into a way that can change their hearts and the world around them. Do you think our schools need more kids loving and accepting and forgiving and being joyful, life-giving presences in the third and fourth grade? Shake your head yes. Let's show our kids the way of Jesus even before they say yes to Jesus. So that when they say yes, they've been compelled and pulled like the gravity of love that Jesus is, where it's the most natural thing in the world because they've had practice. He is already at work in them. He's already drawing them to himself. He already loves them even more than you do. Let's just partner with what God is already up to and show him that they can make a difference too. Kiddos, since we're talking about you, let me talk at you. Can y'all give me your eyes again? Do y'all hate when I say that? Look at my handsome, beautiful face. I trimmed my beard for you today. 
I see Henry looking at me. Sydney, you ready? Let me ask y'all a question. Mark Sweet, kids only. Dig it? Here we go. (laughs) How would people's lives be different in a city with God at the center? Let me ask it this way. In your city, Wiley, Richardson, Garland, if God was the mayor and were what he wanted done was done, how would our city look different? Shout it out. This ain't school, you don't have to raise your hand and we're on a time crunch, give it to me. How would people's lives be different if God was in charge? Save me from a fail, y'all. Parents, he would be the mayor. Parents, if you wanna shout it out, if they're nervous, you can feed me. More forgiveness. I'm, did Silas or Owen say that? Thank you, my friend. Anybody else? Let me give you some yes or no's. Do you think our friends would be hungry? No. What did Nora say? People will be kind and loving. Thank you, Nora. I forgive you for saying I didn't have a beautiful face earlier. That was a very kind and loving thing to say. What else? When God's in charge, what would our cities look like? What would our people's lives look like? What? They would be more grateful? Awesome. What else? Less violence, said Lucy. More happy. Everyone would have a home. I told you, Mark Sweet, kids only in this dude. But you're right, and you get a pass. Let me ask you this. Do you think people would have enough coats and clothes in our city? Do you think that they would be loved and listened to and valued? Yes. Kiddos, let me ask you this. Why do you think we try to drag you to our clothes closet and to our neighborhood table? Because in some small way, all of us can be a part of living God's dream, not just then, but today and now. And I think if we asked Isaiah that same question, what would it look like if God was at the center of Jerusalem? What is God's dream for God's city? I think he would say something like we see in verse four. It's gonna be on the screen. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. They will beat their swords into plowshares. What's plowshares? We don't talk about plowshares. Y'all know what a sword is, right? A plowshare is not a sword where you stab somebody. It's a tool that you poke the ground. Have y'all planted flowers? You gotta poke the ground and you gotta dig up the what? The dirt. A shovel, dude, hold on to that, bro. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. (laughs) Then their spears are gonna be turned into pruning hooks. Spears like to chop people. Pruning hooks chop Grain. Miguel, I'm talking to five-year-olds, man. What do you want me to do? (laughs) Y'all are the theater teachers. Family worship night at the neighborhood church. (laughs) I love this. Because we've taken the swords and the spears and used them into agricultural tools, nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Can you imagine a world in which the boot camps and the military bases are closed because we don't need them? Hope doesn't let the darkness of how things are today overshadow our vision of what will be. 
Isaiah sees this powerful image of recycling weapons of death into tools for growth. Someone else had this vision. His name was Pedro Reyes. He's an artist that was at a time based in a Mexican city called Caliucan. I messed that up. Caliucan. It's in western Mexico. And this city had one of the highest rates of gun violence in the nation. So, he was working with some community services. They launched an ad campaign inviting their residents to come and donate their guns. And then they would receive a coupon for a home appliance. So it's a voluntary donation program where they bring in their weapons and they receive a coupon to help them build a better home. Now, do y'all see that picture on the screen? That is 1,527 guns. What's fascinating, when they started counting and working through this pile, 40% of those, 40%, almost half, were high-powered, military-grade, automatic weapons. Not just your little pistol and 9 millimeter. We're talking about serious firepower. Now, in a public display, they took a steamroller, and they came over and rolled over 1,527 guns as if to show their community, you don't need these anymore. But Pedro Reyes didn't stop there. They smashed them, they flattened them, and then he melted them down. And he didn't stop there. He took all of that melted metal and formed them into these What are those? That's it. Yes. Oh, palas. How many did he make? 1,527. From pistolas to palas. But he didn't stop there. Because what good's a shovel when it's just making the rounds in the art galleries? It brings awareness It might be something to be believed in, but he took these off the walls and then they used them to plant 1,527 trees in their city. Pedro Reyes saw a glimpse of death-dealing weapons being melted and reformed and recycled into life-giving agricultural tools. He took destroying tools, transformed them into cultivating tools that led to life-giving plants planted into God's earth as a sign that there is a better way. Can we see community in place of division? Can we see building up instead of tearing down Can we see peace instead of war? I love this phrase that Taylor Solis, because we've already embarrassed her for her birthday, talks to me about, and it's that another world is possible. I think hope sees 
that another world is possible. And beyond that, we see another world that's coming and invading our own. So if we can see it then, let's start living it now, which is why verse 5 of Isaiah's vision gives us a glimpse that it's not just to be believed, but it's to be lived. And he ends his vision by saying, come, descendants of Jacob. He's saying, come, God's people, and live like it. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah's glimpse at God's city is also an invitation to walk in the light of tomorrow today. So verses 1 through 4 paints the picture. But then verse 5 says, now go and live as if it's actually true. So it's not just a question of can we see community in place of division? Can we see building up instead of tearing down? Can we see peace instead of war? The question is can we live in community in place of division? Right here with the people you're living with. Can you practice kingdom come right here on earth? Yes, with even them. Can we build up others and other communities that are disadvantaged and left in the dust? Can we build them up instead of tearing them down and being complicit in all of the ways that keep us at arm's length? Can we actually live and bring peace, which is one of our core practices, in the biggest ways and the littlest ways, instead of the war that divides and destroys and breaks us down? Bringing peace where there is the hungry, the broken down, the desperate, the lost, the lonely, and the left out. Can we actually live this? So I want to close by returning to Epcot. Now while the park didn't exactly function like a real city of the future, there was one element that remained that was true to Walt's original vision. If you see the first episode of this documentary series, you see them plotting and planning Disneyland. And it was really a theme park unlike any other theme park. And one of the design principles that Walt Disney um, had within his park is that if you stayed in the middle of town square, in the middle of the middle, you could see to the north, the south, the east, and the west, these pathways radiating out like a bicycle wheel with spokes, right? And if you stood right in the middle of Town Square on Main Street, if you looked down one pathway, you might see this. Now, Disney's genius is that at each path, he places an iconic and wonderful and beautiful an inspiring building. In Tomorrowland, it's this huge rocket ship. Frontierland, they've got this huge mountain. In Adventureland, and then of course, you've got Fantasyland, and you see this castle that's iconic. If you go to Epcot, while it's not the city of the future, it became a World's Fair type of theme park, and what's the iconic image of Epcot? It's that huge geosphere right here. Each of these iconic landmarks, whether it's a castle, a mountain, a rocket, or this geosphere, 
Disney's genius was to place them at the end of the pathway so that you can see the landmark from a distance and it invites you to walk in that direction. You with me? Nobody knows that whatever explorer earth is inside that thing. There's no sign that has that lame animatronic ride. What you see is this far out, wonderful, compelling image that invites you to walk that direction. So we've seen a glimpse of God's dream for God's city and his people. We've seen a glimpse of the kingdom that is now here but is not yet come in fullness. So may that vision draw us toward his kingdom and may we walk in the light of that tomorrow today. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we are so grateful for these glimpses that you have given us generations ago of people that have sought you that have peeled back and peered through the darkness of devastation to see a vision of your restoration. But Lord, we recognize that Isaiah and so many of his brothers and sisters had to wait and go unfulfilled until they saw you face to face. So Lord, we join them by saying, even so, Lord, come. Renew the earth, Renew the heavens that they may be one. For your dream is not to destroy the earth, but to refine it. To make it the earth you always intended. So that we could be your people and you could be our God. Help us be focused on that vision this Advent. In all of the hustle and bustle, in all of the worry, may you replace it with hope as we walk with you and within you and your love. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus, our coming King, and all God's people said, amen. Um, If you guys want to stand and receive our benediction, I'll read our benediction. It, It is called A Glimpse of the Kingdom, written by Cheryl Lawry. Maybe in this, there is a glimpse of the kingdom, a foretaste, a hint, a promise. Let it hold you and let it send you so you will never be at peace until all are fed, until all know home, until all are free, until justice is done, until peace is the way, until grace is the law, until love is the rule, until God's realm comes, until God's realm comes, until God's realm comes. Go in peace.